Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, 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 and sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. It's uh hasn't happened very often in my uh, career that I, I, I missed, uh, you know, the opening time of the show. I'm blaming it all on weather and um, traffic uh, as a result of the weather. So, uh, Susan, are you there? I am because here it's totally gorgeous and I had no problem with the traffic and getting uh, right back up to my bedroom where I am sitting here waiting to talk to you. Okay, well, that's good. Um, what I didn't know, I don't know. So... Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on. I mean, it was gridlock from the time I left the house. And um, and then I finally get onto the street here where I usually can find parking, and the entire street has been posted with no parking signs. I mean, well, it's just like, well, I no, it's just like, you know, it really is becoming impossible to uh, get around uh, in a car um, in downtown pittsburgh it's it's a, a fool's errand it seems half the time there's no place to put it they make it prohibitively expensive i mean i get the point but what well, i mean are are old people supposed to ride bicycles i just don't understand what we're supposed to do well you know that's that's like where i live now. right in chicago is like but that I, too i have to say there the last time that i was in pittsburgh with you and i was driving you to an event because you were still infirm that traffic was pretty crazy and what and the way i was weaving myself through gridlock at your screamed instructions to get you to where you were going don't you remember we were going yeah. to my one woman show right and we were late and i was late there was a whole there was a whole theater full of people and we weren't there and i was sick with a a bag a, a tube coming out of my gut and they, i mean it was like the biggest and I, it's true susan was driving because i couldn't but I, I was gonna do a show and and um i was screaming i, I know i was i was I just did, screaming. literally i drove that car over and under other automobiles across a a what seemed <laughs> like eight lanes of totally gridlock traffic <laughs> oh how did we ever get there oh my god with you shrieking <laughs> oh god what a nightmare well it was yeah. it it was a lot like that only i didn't feel the pressure uh today because uh you know the whatever so anyway oh, you yeah. know it's interesting because i used to really feel you know i feel honest anxiety every time i got into a car to drive to an appointment about time right and it's only recently that i have said to myself cut that out yeah you're yeah. going to get there when you get there. Or why are you making your body a, you know, right. a landmine of misery on top of all of this stuff? Right. Just relax. Exactly. You, exactly. And, and damned if you can't just relax. <laughs> right. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. And so I'm telling all of you that are that are younger than 67, if you haven't gotten to the point, where you figured out you can just tell yourself to cut it out and relax, I'm passing that tip on to you. You can actually do that. Yeah. I'm I'm Amy, can I have her higher in my headset or can't you get her higher? You want me to talk louder? No, that's hardly the issue. Um <laughs> Oh my so I, 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 there's so much to talk about. I feel like, I, you know, any time I usually start the show on, um, I, you know, it feels like Monday to me since I wasn't here yesterday. But, um, you know, after two days or even three days of not talking about everything that's happening, I mean, you're just overwhelmed by where to start. Um, and right here, it's easy. Everything's as crapped up as it was three days ago. No, it, it's usually more so. Any different. No, it's more so. That's usually the case. It's worse. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. And I don't even know if anybody's uh, listening because, you know, they tuned in at 10 and there was nothing happening. So, um, God. So, I, I, there's a few things I just want to um, say to the people here. 
Um, uh, first of all, about Mac Miller uh, passing. Getting back here, I, it's so much, Susan, it's so much of a larger story here, but also because a local boy yeah made good and 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 even more so in my neighborhood because that was his neighborhood as well and um there's just a incredible outpouring of grief i it's uh it's awful (laughs) and i've i can't get him out of my my head i i he's i'm thinking about him and his family a lot um, I'm learning some things that I didn't know about him. Um, uh, he was very well respected by um, by you know people in the in the business and yeah. and everybody said everybody is saying what a sweet, generous soul, nice human being he was people he was like a people magnet people loved him and so the grief is is genuine there is a, a memorial to it seems like it's going to go all night um starting at 5:30 at blue slide park which susan is part of a big huge park frick park here that um <clears throat> has a big huge blue concrete slide built into the one of the hillsides and it painted blue yeah and and i you know my son used to love that thing and mac miller uh did uh, a song called uh blue slide park um actually i think that was the name of the album blue slide park um and so there's a big memorial at blue slide park tonight the city has freshly painted it blue uh because it wears off after a while with all those little tushies going down it and um it starts or, fi- big, as the case may be. or what or big yeah and the and the um i just went by it on on thursday uh because i was taking my dog to the they they have a dog run park um further in the park and you walk by the blue slide and the, oh god so um, one of the things that's cute, I, I, I have often felt like, you know, some connection to him just because um, my son and he were in the same preschool and were little friends together when they were very young and then went off their separate ways because they did not go to the same school after preschool. And I, I, I remember um, a few shared birthday parties, but he was such a goofy-looking little kid. Um, and and once uh my son and i were coming back from a trip um i don't know where we'd been but we flew into the airport and we're driving home and i would think my son and 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 malcolm that was his name uh my son and malcolm were the same age and would have been about 6 or 7 i think and as we were driving down the parkway west i see this billboard with Malcolm's goofy face, you know, looking at me. And I said, Sam, look, it's Malcolm on a billboard. And I think it was like for Highmark or something. It was like, it was some insurance ad where they needed a kid, you know, if your kid is sick and you want to, and they, there was a, the kid was Malcolm. Well, he obviously had his, he was obviously in an agency. He had an agent. Well, I don't know. Here's the other possibility. Here's what I figured. His mom, Karen, um, is a photographer. And, uh, I mean, I think she does. Maybe she got that. Who knows? Yeah, it could either be she said, you want a kid? I got a kid right here. But so that was. Well, Ma- she's the agent in that regard. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. So there's Malcolm on. There. Yeah, so Malcolm's on the <laughs> on the billboard and you know just last thursday when i left the show and i was driving home there was that same goofy face only older 26 years old staring at me from another billboard on the boulevard of the allies there are a number of um billboards up now that were i guess they're advertising his last album what turned out to be his last album uh, swimming, 
and it's just his big goofy face still and right. and so I'm thinking there's Malcolm on a Oh, I don't know. I, you know, because he's Sam's age, I can't even bear it. I, and, and Susan, um, for this to happen at Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, is doubly horrific because um, Malcolm was Jewish. And yeah. he went, he was the only Jew at, at I believe, St. Bede's is where he went. Uh, his parents sent him to um, elementary and uh, school at St. Bede's, and there was a, a piece I saw somewhere where he was the only Jew, of course, in this class, and uh, he learned a lot about Catholicism, obviously, and at one point he wanted to tell his, he told the teacher he wanted to tell his classmates something about his religion, and uh, it was Hanukkah, and he brought a menorah in, and he taught them all how to say the blessing, and the teacher was remembering this as so sweet and that he also then had t-shirts made or something for them but he, he was just always this i don't know damn it damn it elton john paid tribute to him last night in his concert childish gambino who might be one of the most talented people in the universe uh literally was bereft let me s share with you what he said uh rolling stone wrote it up Childish Cambino, as you know, is also, I mean, it's Donald Glover, okay? Brilliant right. person. Just friggin' brilliant. And Saturday night at a concert in Chicago, Susan, uh, Childish Gambino said uh, this. First of all, he asked people not to film, not to use their phones to film what he was about to say, because he said, I do not want to commodify this moment. And he said, went on to say, I'm a very sensitive person, but this Mac Miller shit got me fucked up. He was so nice. He was the sweetest guy. He was so nice. And we were both internet music kids, and a lot of critics were like, this corny-ass white dude, this corny-ass black dude, and we used to talk, and this kid, he just loved music, and we should be allowed to be sad about it. Like, my heart is broken, and I feel good about being sad because it tells me he was special, and I had a special moment. Everybody I deserves it. I don't know, he, he sort of went off. He said, yeah. I... You lost a good friend. Yeah, I just want to say I love you, Mac. And I just want to tell you that I love you. And this song's for him because I feel like sometimes he wanted to let go. Oh. Yeah, he, he clearly suffered from a terrible depression. And you know what? That's what's so weird because he suffered from this horrible depression. And yet people's memory of him is how they always felt such joy around him. He was always making everybody feel comfortable and laughing. And when his friend from forever here um, got cancer, uh, I think last, last year, um, he red-eyed back to uh, Pittsburgh. Um, he shaved the guy's head for him before the chemo took it. He shaved his own head. He stayed, I mean, he was just like, and, and for somebody, isn't that odd that somebody who is like struggling so much inside doesn't, can't give that to himself, only gives it to others? No, it's not odd. It's, that's the disease. That it takes away your ability to, to love yourself or to feel anything but pain. Oh. That's the disease. Yeah. And to feel that uncomprehendingly awful is hard for those of us that don't have it. But imagine that. So he sought solace in drugs. And that helped with the pain. That helped with the pain. That was self-medication. And, and right. 
anyway, I, mean, I am what, feeling that's very. That's what a ton of the opioid crisis is. The, yeah. It's it's uh, to a large extent, I think, uh, people with intense anxiety that opioids treat, and and they get hooked on prescription, and when they can't get it, they go to heroin, and that's I mean, I think they're all they're self medicating what we as a society refuse to recognize and treat as as the diseases in group of diseases that they are depression you know bipolar and 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 really chiefly anxiety yeah this world makes people stressed out from the time that they're small children and it only gets worse and i I actually think that in some respects, anxiety might be heightened in cultures like ours as opposed to like some poor culture where the anxiety that's produced is is basic stuff like, do, where do I get my next meal, okay, as opposed to all the crap that we deal with. You know what I mean? Is well, that possible? we deal with a lot of crap, but we also have a large segment of our population that is dealing with where do I get my next meal. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, that is true, too. I mean, you know, we all have our stressors in the society, but yeah, and where, where it isn't occurring naturally, we induce it through, uh, like, video games, which some people might feel is more like uh, a meditative thing, but I think turns this anxious feeling into something that's pleasurable as opposed to not. Well, I think you're on to something there, and I think also with like a video game, it puts you in an anxious situation, though, that isn't real, and you know that. No, yeah, and you have And you have control, the measure of control. Sort of. Right. You have, you have a chance right. of control. You can, you can try and master it. So as, an, so as an allegory, it actually makes perfect sense, but I think it's heightening the disease and not helping it. Well, I mean, our entire culture based on based on competition, right? Based on uh, who's on top, based on right. who's got the most, based on minds bigger than right. yours. And we've got a whole you, group of parents that are trying to shelter their children from encountering that until they're thrown out into the real world and get drop kicked like a thud at the five yard line without anybody helicoptering for them. Are you the one who told me uh, this weekend? Yeah, lawnmower. Okay, so overtaking, and I hadn't heard the term, overtaking helicopter parents. Lawnmower is is the same thing. Are the the parents that that mow down the bladed grass that their kid is going to trip over before the kid ever gets there. (laughs) Helicopter parents take care of it once it happens. These parents erase life. For the child. Well, I think they're one and the same. I mean, I think the parents that are lawnmowers well, are also same, right? helicopters. I mean, where they they don't allow their children to uh, learn how to live, and 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 they don't they don't allow them to experience so the real know. world, right? To experience reality, right. which is hard. Why don't they understand that sheltering them is handicapping them? Why don't they get that? It's mind-boggling to me. Oh, well. And that sometimes it actually makes sense to say, you know, you don't do something as well as this other kid. Maybe you want to work at that. I watched that at my dinner table last night when my, grands, my grandson was being compared to his first cousin, who is about six months older, and, and Frank is a great swimmer. Uh-huh. And Ellis is just in Not. the learning process yeah, right. at age four. Yes. And he was being, but he would, had done well in class that day, and he was being encouraged to be able to swim like a fish like his cousin Frank could. And I could see in his own head that he was feeling vaguely downtrodden. So I did remind him that he rode a two-wheeler without any training wheels, <laughs> and his cousin Frank didn't do that. So we all have our things that we're good at, but we should try to get good at the stuff that we're not. And but if you can't if you can't point out the kid that he's lousy at something, how do you how do you give him the encouragement to get better? God. <laughs> I ask you. Oh, so sad. 
I'm so sad for I mean, all in our family, kids. you know, I'm, I, I mean, that can go into the extreme. It's why I don't play tennis or golf, because they're games that have to be learned publicly, and humiliation is just an, the next stroke away. And so <laughs> Really? Yeah. But humiliation, I mean, you know, I, wait a minute, but humiliation was part of our family. I know, so why did I go need, why was Why did you need more? Sick? Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, our family was so competitive. Is it competitive? Yeah, it was so competitive. Yeah, totally. Ugh, it's a wonder we I don't hate law each other. Because nobody in the family had actually gone to law school. Well, your and dad was did. More than a little PO'd when, you know, a year after I get there, Bill went. Genius Bill decides to go to Yale. <laughs> well, gee. Well, I'll tell you. We all survive, huh? Um, we do. But you mentioned tennis, so let's go there. Yeah. Um, Susan and I and our mother and our brother and everybody, we watched uh, the U.S. Open, even though none of us are people who normally watch tennis. And, Susan, you weren't really watching much. <laughs> I saw that. You were, you were on your phone. Um, but that, and I don't watch tennis, but I watch that. And, oh, my God, what a debacle in every way. I've read a lot of stuff that people have uh, written about it. And there's, only, there's one absolute takeaway that n no one can disagree with, right? And that is that this young 20-year-old uh, woman was robbed, if there's thievery to be had here, was robbed of the joy that she rightfully should have felt in uh, beating her her hero at a on this huge stage something she had dreamed about and to see at the end of that match the so-called you know award ceremony where both women two strong incredible women were reduced to tears there was no joy to be had. There were only tears. And I do have to say, I think Serena didn't behave totally well, but I do think the basic thing that happened there was, of course, a man. A man fucking it up for him. That's what I think. Listen, I, Serena acted like a passionate tennis player. That, that, that I mean, you know, in screaming at that at the guy at center court is part of the game, and and um, and there were people that made the cover of Sports Illustrated year after year for doing so, like McEnroe, like Connors, but they were men. Right. So you know, it it brings I up all this sec how women are just constantly. Uh, treated, uh, held to a higher standard. Um, I, I, I just, I, I just feel so sorry. And and Serena's had to deal with so much shit because well, she, she really because did she's feel not. Like he impugned her character. And at what point do well, you not stand up for something if you think that if you think that you've been called a cheat, and that's the last thing well, in your mind? I think she. You I know, do I think she think overreacted that, to that. I think she overreacted well, to that, and she knew that doing the tennis racket thing was a sure, you know, but where it went off the rails is his inability to realize that this was a huge and important, no one had come to see him get in the way of this matchup, and he ended up ruining it it's like you know in a i don't know i don't know yeah. I, I i just and and you know she has dealt in her career with more crap why because she does not look like what men think a woman is supposed to look like in any way first of all she's black Second of all, she's big. 
third of all, she's sheer power barely contained. Right. Right. <laughs> like just about. And all her career, she has been, I think, dealing with. Oh, did you see the Australian uh, cartoon that came out uh, yesterday? Some guy yeah. did a cartoon, an editorial cartoon, in which, uh, I mean, people are just saying it's so racist, it's beyond belief. He has Serena pictured as, it, it. everybody says it's akin to the way uh, blacks used to be, you know, like little black Sambo. It, it, it is like this mm-hmm. disgusting caricature of, uh, of a black woman. And in the background, you see, why am I blanking on Osaka's first name? Uh, Naomi. You see Naomi Osaka and the judge, the ref or whatever his name is, Ramos, and um, he's saying to Osaka, couldn't you just let her win? And guess what? Osaka is portrayed as a blonde. She looks like this felt little blonde. She's been made white. Well, she's not. She's not. She's not white. She's everything but white. But there was this need by this racist asshole to make Serena look like this grotesque black person. And so he had to make her actually black opponent white. I'm not kidding you. You got to see it. It's it's mind blowing. Um, and and the newspaper Barbara just sent me this. The newspaper is doubled down, saying the cartoon had nothing to do with gender or race. They've doubled down. A champion tennis player had a mega tantrum on the world stage, and the cartoon depicts that. Well, then explain why Naomi Osaka has become white in the background. Jesus Christ. Anyway, so everybody, um, you know, it was just miserable. But let's talk about men for it. Let's talk about Les Moonves. This is the latest. Right. I was, Could you? I, I was just going to, I actually, what you were talking about for some reason actually made me think about him. Yeah. Why would that be? Yeah. I am so, you know, I'm getting up to here. And I have to admit that I'm, I drove back from Ann Arbor uh, yesterday and I was listening to a podcast in which five women all talked about the same man who was the chief of Alternet. Do you remember? I don't even know if that's still around, is it? It is a news service, one of the earlier ones. Um, And he was just a despicable serial sexual harasser. And each of them tells their story of him. And the last woman is his wife, who's in tears, and she's staying with him. It was the most mind-boggling thing, but I, the whole drive back, my head was spinning about how men, how does that guy, and you can't listen to that thing without feeling such anger and revulsion. And a lot of it, a lot of it, you know, felt very familiar to me, too. And listening to the women talking about how they made They didn't speak up. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Um, Reminded me of my reasoning, too, when I was younger. Because it was something you just had to put up with, was the feeling. dealt with and handled deftly, if you were lucky. One of the women said to her parents when she was... I can't remember. She was, this was before him. She said that she felt some man, some guy had, she said, Mom, Dad, I'm being sexually harassed. And her parents laughed and said something like, well, come on, get used to it, I think her mother said. And I think that's sort of, I and she incorporated that. I 
think I incorporated that. Um, well, that was society's message. I mean, that was I, I, wasn't that sort of Helen Gurley Brown's message. Uh, yeah, I do think it was. And do you know what? There was a, a um, somebody wrote a really good piece. I don't have it here um, about why is it that the ones we're learning about all of these despicable men seem to be all in uh you know like uh the entertainment world and oh, yeah. in, well, yeah, and in journalism yeah and in journalism I don't think that's true No here's why there because think... because there's so it's celebrity and that makes news when we know the people involved it doesn't well, make news why, I mean yes it doesn't make right. news, well, Susan, if somebody writes about, let's say, some sexual harasser in the office behind me who's making the lives of three or four women who work well, back it, there it, it miserable. Made news, it made news in a, uh, in a uh, small Midwestern town when the CEO of a office furniture company was sued for sexual harassment by a man because that CEO was serial, serially you know, chasing every single woman in the chasing and betting every single woman in the office. This man sued him for creating a hostile environment and won. Wait, a man sued him even though it was a wo- woman he was abusing? I'm not understanding yeah. this. Well, it created a hostile. This guy had to sit around and watch this. And, okay, but isn't and, that interesting? So that made news because the man sued. Yes. God. And one, by the way. Okay, fine, but, you know. And that man's wife stood by him also. Well, you know, they... Mom tells the story of, of, the, of Pritzker, you know, who was a serial adulterer. I mean, we don't know if he was a predator, but he was an adulterer, obviously a rich and powerful man. But his wife, who stuck by him, was uh, known to say, yeah, but I'm Mrs. Pritzker. I think you're talking about uh, somebody else. Well, no. Someone we know said, but I'm Mrs. R. And that's also the the wife of the person that got sued. Okay, well, we're talking out of school here, but yeah, okay. So women often make that calculation. Fine, okay. But I got his money. I got his position. And I have a status that comes with it. And Les Moonves, who's, now, who's turning out to be like, like a Harvey Weinstein character... Um, Except that he's denying it with outrage that these women have the... Gall to sully his, you know, good. Character. Yeah, fine. Well, let me tell you something. The fact of the matter is, is he's going to oh, lose his job and be given over a hundred million dollars as a going away present. Oh, I know. I don't. I don't understand why being dismissed for serially, you know. <laughs> Uh, how does that not negate, you know, wipe out a contractual? Cause? Yeah. No, that's a that's that's he gets that money unless he's dismissed for cause. How is this not for cause? I I don't know. I'm just getting so sick of it all. I really am. And I, I mean, mean, I, I won't live long I enough really, to see. I wish it. someone could explain this to me. How that how how um you know Sexually harassing and, um, you know, and demanding sexual favors and doing things that but for the statute of limitations would be actionable in a criminal court isn't for cause. I mean, what else would CBS need? So I don't understand where that $120 million severance is coming into play. Well, they're saying. And if I were a stockholder, I would be a little un- unhappy. I gotta say, Ronan Farrow sure has made himself a beat, hasn't he? Well, well he couldn't—he couldn't get Woody Allen. He's gonna get all the others. 
That's what's driving them, huh? Do you I think? I think so. Wow. I do think so. That that his sister and that and that all happened, be, you know, uh, right before, you know, Woody Allen gets Roman Polanski treatment instead of Harvey Weinstein treatment. I don't mean to be beaten up on all you guys and stuff, but, you know, I just. You know, Susan, there's a lot of men who I'm sure are stunned by all this. I mean, they've lived their whole lives and never even considered exposing themselves in a meeting with a. I don't think that my father, our father, would behave this way. I don't think my husband, husband your husband would have. Behaved. This way, well, no. I, I, um, I, I have no doubt that there are honorable men out there. Um, but you and I knew that these people exist. We have friends like this. I mean, you know, I, I'm thinking of one of uh, Eric's and my great friends that became a friend of yours. So it's certainly a guy that fits in the category of you probably did some things you shouldn't have because you could get away with it. Yeah. But he's so charming. But he's so charming. Yeah. But he. It probably really was always consensual. <laughs> I mean, you always laughed with him. I mean, I don't. I'm sure his wife didn't. Well, no one took him seriously. No, no one. So t- there's a there's there's a different thing, you know. I mean, he he was he's he's still propositions their mother. <laughs> He's just, he's a wondrous character. And, I don't and, think and he fits in that flattered scene. and charmed by it. Really. Yeah, yeah, you are, because it's so outrageous and ridiculous. Um, but no, the ones that are, oh, God, I'm so sick of it. I'm sorry, guys. I think it was that. I'm really sick of it. Yeah, I'll tell you what really, what really irritates me most of all is that the fallback position for a company that says that, you know, it's found itself with, excuse the expression, its pants down is that they're going to institute sexual harassment classes. Oh, God. These people don't know you're not supposed to do this. What is that class composed of? Don't do this. If that worked, they should have, being normal people in a normal society, already know that they're not allowed to do this. So, you know, the sexual harassment class, I'm sorry, folks. Well, you know, it all does show, you know, when people say rape is not about sex, it's about power. Um, right. And this is what sexual harassment is obviously about, too. It's about... I think it's also about a little bit of sex. <laughs> well, yeah, but so is... Right. Every yeah, whim, because they have the power. Yeah. And I think that's why they're so surprised, because they don't think of themselves as rapists and predators. They think of themselves as lucky. Well, you know, one of the women in the podcast said something that I completely understood... She said she and her friends, when they were like in their 20s, were sitting around and talking about things that had happened to them in college and this and that. And, oh, yeah, I remember that time, blah, blah, blah. And one of them ends up saying, well, that was rape. And they all realized that they'd, <laughs> they'd never put that word on what had happened to them. It was just that time when the guy just insisted and they thought, oh, God, I don't want to, but I don't know. You know what I mean? That girls yeah, who've been get out of here. taught, right, girls who've been taught to be pleasant, to make people happy. I can't tell you how many, when you hear those statistics about how many women say they've been raped, it, it, it's so out unbelievable and i think it's even higher than that because a lot of women too i think i think there's a 90 percent chance that it happens to uh any um freshman girl who involves herself in this sorority fraternity scene probably that she ends up uh blacked out at a party somewhere uh next to someone that did something or not even blacked out just in a situation where they don't see any way out except to oh well right Right. i'll i mean i think that's like (sighs) normal i do too but that's rape 
it, I guess, and a lot of people would say, right. no, that's not yeah, rape. Not that's consensual. not rape because you didn't fight back. Uh, you just gave up. Uh, but I got news for you. That is rape because women have been taught to be submissive, to take it. I think women younger, I hope younger women are different. Some of the younger women in this podcast had, had a sense of their own worth and their own value. And I was just amazed at how they said, I knew what he was up to. And I was thinking, uh-uh, buddy. Well, I would not have had that assurance. You had more, you had more of it than I did, but you're yeah. almost four years yeah. younger than me. Yeah. And you also and, and had I my experience. Wait a minute. I had a very generous older sister, namely you, who would faithfully trot back to me and report with with such entertaining humor the most miserable of of things that happened to you in your life. And you would tell me all these things as a cautionary tale. And, I mean, you took more hits for me and then faithfully reported them. I can't tell you out there. What, what an incredible big sister you were. I mean, other ways, not so much. This way, <laughs> huge. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, it took a toll on me. Yeah, it did. Yeah. That's what I mean. Jeez, I was close to crying when I came in because of Mac Miller. Now I'm close to crying in general. I really am. I'm really feeling very, yeah, done in today by the world. And we even haven't mentioned Donald Trump, and no. we're not going to. Oh, yes, we are. No. Wait, wait, we are, Susan. I got it. Right now, he's, he's, he's Where destroying he the memory of September 11th. Oh, he said something like, and I ended up then with the tallest building or something. He said something. I oh, saw somewhere God. where he said, and now, and then my building was the tallest building or something. Oh, God. No. Okay, so the, the, these last poll numbers that have come out where he's finally dropping, uh, there's only 36% approval. Um, but there's that absolute, now we know it's about a 32, 33, 34%, literally one-third of Americans who will answer the question, is Donald Trump truthful, with yes. Do you approve of his, of his, the job he's doing? Yes. Um, yeah. That totally, these are the, so one-third of Americans will, as he said, if he shot somebody in cold blood, on, yeah, you would say, Absolutely. it's okay. Yeah, this is, that's why this is like a cult. I mean, it's very Jim Jonesian that that you can't see, you know, how how you've just accepted whatever he says is the truth, and the rest of us are lying. I mean, it's it's amazing to me, but that's where they are. They truly get it. They believe it. Oh, my. Okay, uh-oh. This is an email from Roger. A few months ago, we were talking about role models in my running group. When a young man around 30 lamented that the media destroyed any high-profile role models when he was growing up, specifically Bill Clinton and Michael Jordan. And, oh, no, and, uh, whatever. Michael Jordan was past his prime. LeBron James was on the rise and was maybe okay. I suggested that Serena Williams had been a great role model for a long time, and he replied, she's okay looking. <laughs> what? I asked, oh, so you think LeBron's attractive? Laughter and silence followed by the group. I think she's super hot. It has nothing to, who cares? I don't do with being a role model. I embarrass a dude. The world needs less dudes, he says. Actually, Roger, this is one of my pet peeves, you mean the world needs fewer dudes. The word fewer is... <laughs> But she likes the sentiment, but you just hit a pet peeve. <laughs> Thank God you didn't use I instead of me. Yeah, then Susan would be <laughs> on you, too. No one uses fewer anymore. It's gone. The word's gone. They use less, and it's wrong! 
The world needs fewer dudes. By the way, this is Amy. Susan's voice is in and out. Amy knows it. How in and out is it? Is it that in my headset? Okay. Fuck it, duck. Uh-oh. You we've really got, we've got, we've been having, coherence yes, Susan's great. I mean, can you get what she's saying? Anyway, yeah, Susan, they can get it. They just, okay. it must be sort of annoying. Son of a Okay, I'll try to get, we don't have a sound engineer. Excuse me, she said screaming, so Amy's headset just went blowing off her head. Um, <laughs> we Oh, okay. What else? Um, okay, so Susan, you saw Plaid Shirt Guy, didn't you? Well, I, I know who Plaid Shirt Guy is, but I have to confess, I have yet to see, like, any of the faces that he was making. Well, it's so cute. I see... He just looks like a normal person. Well, that's right. Smiling. Yeah. Well, that's right. But he, it was so subtle. What it was is, and it's such a cute story when you find out how he got where he got. He's just a high school kid, 17 years old, in Billings, Montana. And, you know, the mon- orange monster was coming to town. And uh, he and two of his friends thought, hey, That'd be neat to, like, go see this jerk. And so they, uh, there was a thing where you sign up for tickets, and somehow, in a kind of lottery situation, he ended up getting a VIP status and um, ended up behind, <laughs> behind him. And he was, he was just sitting there in his plaid shirt and listening. And he said they told them, he said the organizers before Trump came out instructed everybody to clap and cheer but and be enthusiastic. But he said, well, I mean, I couldn't clap for things that I didn't agree with, so I just didn't clap. He was just listening. And Susan, the faces he made were so subtle. He was just sitting there. And all it is is at one point his eyebrow goes. <laughs> it's so cute. He's just sitting there and this eyebrow goes like, huh? And then once he mouthed the word with this funny look on his face, he mouthed the word, what? What? <laughs> and so that's how subtle it was. It wasn't like, it was so. Okay, well, that explains. Yeah, it was so cute. And, um,. And and he wasn't doing it constantly. He just wasn't being enthusiastic. And then he did something, though. This is what got him, where where they noticed. Somebody noticed. He turns out to be a member of the Social Democrats of America. He's a Social Democrat. And he had a little Social Democratic – oh, Democratic Socialist. That's what they're called. Yeah, Democratic Socialists of America, the DSA. And so at one point during the speech, he thought, oh, yeah, I got that pin in my pocket. So he took out the pin and stuck it on his shirt. And someone who was, you know, watching the video feed saw the pin, knew what it was, and got the woman to come and get him out of there. And, you know, he was not only receded, he was pulled aside, as were his friends, by police officers and Secret Service personnel. Do you believe that? No, that's ridiculous. I, why, for raising an eyebrow? For not supporter? Yeah, for not being a hear Trump? Right, for having what? For having a button on? For raising his eyebrow? For he was pulled aside while police officers and Secret Service officials checked his identification and after about 10 minutes he said and he's a kid is a cute kid he said after about 10 minutes they respectfully told me to just leave and not come back yeah 
This is Amer this is Donald Trump's America. And here are the other quotes from it. It's just so f funny. He said, um, none of this was me trying to protest. That Those were just my honest reactions to the things he was saying, which is true. You can see that. He's just right. sitting there thinking, what the fuck? Huh? Why? And um, but not over the top, just very, very subtle. And um, he's uh, going to turn 18 next month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so he'll be voting in his first election uh, in November, and he's uh, very excited. But people have said this also just goes to show how absolutely incompetent everything around Trump is because no campaign doesn't vet the people that are in the camera shot, right? Well, it never occurred to them that uh, everybody in Montana who comes yeah. to see Trump isn't a fan. Right, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, he's now changed. But the, but the Montanans I know certainly aren't Trump fans. Well, that's right. You know some Montanans, and they're not Trump fans. Oh, I forgot it's September 11th. Yeah. Yeah. That's why everybody's in Pennsylvania. Oh. They're commemorating that, the, those chimes. Yeah. Even though they aren't ready. Uh. Sort of like Cuomo and the Tribeca. <laughs> God. Bob says, did he remembering me being on the radio that day. He said, remember, I, you know, I was on the air with the other two show hosts came in. I had the 9 to 12 shift. And the the 12 to 3 and the 3 to 6, Doug Hurth and Jerry Boyer came in. And believe me, we didn't agree. I didn't agree with those two guys on almost anything politically. But we... There was no tension there that day. We were all, and, and Bob says, Don't, do you remember you said to the audience, forget politics. My country was attacked today. Yeah. Well, I don't, th I wonder, today would, oh, no. But I, what is with this uh, insistence on continued, um, do you think over the top remembrance of that day? I because do. I, I do too. I think we don't have to. You, you know, know, get on with it. Every day. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have a Remember Pearl Harbor, but the whole world doesn't stop and have these. I guess they have commemorations. But, yeah, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Pearl, yeah. So, in similar circumstances where we felt similarly attacked, we have and do continue to remember but we don't yeah but not in the way we do with this everybody that died in pearl harbor on, no. on that day every year no and also we didn't change the way you know that's when we started doing all this crap at the baseball games and the football oh and no you can't just do the seventh inning stretch you got you gotta and take me out to the ballpark no you gotta sing god bless america and god bless america, everything's militarized I, I mean what the f they didn't do that after pearl harbor they went and fought a war and won it as opposed to the five thousand year war we're in now excuse me I, I, So. Well, there was an interesting piece about that today, too, but written by a veteran whose brother died in the uh, oh yes in, in the in the tower. Who Did said he always that? wanted to kill Mohammed? He want what? He wanted to kill Mohammed? He said, no, he he said he joined because his brother was killed, and he you know fought, and he learned that he loved soldiers and he loved the camaraderie, and you know, and the and the, and um. And eventually, after serving three terms in total, three three you know um, deployments in total, he what he learned was that the enemy that he was trying to vanquish had died in the in the towers with his brother, and that right. if we continued to sacrifice American lives, we were doing what Atta wanted. We were doing 
what Osama bin Laden wanted, which was to drain our treasury fighting an unwinnable war and continuing to kill people in the name of something that should now stop, stop sacrificing more people to an unwinnable war. Yeah, but we're too that was stupid. No, it, on today. well, okay, well, that's so stop true. Stop creating more people that died because of this. It's so true, but I'm sorry. We're, you know, we're a, we're a nation just, uh, we're a bunch of fucking idiots. Anyway, excuse me, I'm in a mood, aren't I? Um, uh, I, we've got, we, we're going to have to wrap this up, even though I started a little bit late. But I do have to get to this, Susan, and I meant to get to it last Wednesday, and it never got in. And now it's ruined because I, uh, who did it on that uh, NPR show? Um, uh, they already did it on uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and I've seen other people do it because it was just too wonderful. Who's, now go ahead, do it. Okay, so who's the the one uh, you know celebrity I love to hate, just love to hate her, hated her for so long, Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh right, right. And I am so thrilled that she. It doesn't matter. She's got this absurd business, Goop, called Goop, G O O P, that has made her a gazillionaire, and has again, sort of like Donald Trump's election, has told us that Americans are fucking idiots. Uh, yeah, praise on women's love of all wait, wait, Goop success tells us that, and a lot of her people probably vote, didn't vote for Donald Trump, but they show how fucking stupid people are. So whatever bullshit she sells them, and the latest, and that's not the latest, it's an old one, but somebody finally got her, uh, in that she has to pay a fine for suggesting that the $66 jade eggs, oval eggs, that she sells by the boatload, apparently, to women, which they are supposed to shove up their vaginas. Susan, haven't you ever had a great desire to shove a, a stone up Put your... a stone in there? Yeah. I yeah. It comes with a string. No, it doesn't. And... Women buy this crapola because Gwyneth tells them that it increases their sexual energy. Or, for slightly less money, $55, you can do a rose quartz egg stone, uh, and that gives you positive energy and heart-activating stuff. Um, hormonal balance, muscle tone... Bullshit, bullshit, and more bullshit, and she now actually, according to some California court, has to pay a whole $145,000 in civil penalties and stop telling women that putting stones in their vaginas is going to make them, I don't know. Right, and, How, and not having any science behind all of these things that she absolutely advocates constantly. I, but I have to say, you know, I can't imagine. I, but I guess I, I hang out with uh, people that actually think, you know. But I don't know anybody of my generation or my kids' generation that, you know, is a Goop or Peltro fan. Well, there's sure there's. She has these huge seminars that women pay ten, fifteen thousand dollars just to go. Um, also, a doctor said, okay, fine, you want to sleep with a jade egg up your you-know-what? You know what? You could get bacterial vaginosis or toxic shock syndrome. Right. Jesus Christ. But she's still selling them. They're still out there on the Goop website. She's just not saying that they will balance your hormones or regulate your menstrual cycles. Oh, here's the other. Here's what it used to say. The eggs cultivate sexual energy, clear chi pathways in the body, intensify femininity, and invigorate our life force. Okay, I'm just telling you, Americans are fucking fools. And I think that's a whole different... I don't think Trump voters buying goop shit. I think those are new agey lefty, you know, crapola idiots. And there yeah. are, we are surrounded by more idiots in this world. I'm frightened. 
I'm leaving. Yeah, me too. Okay. Susan, oh, thank you. Middle-aged women that middle-aged women that want to vaginally uh, rejuvenate. <laughs> hey, Suze, are you you and Mom driving yeah. up to Green Bay? We are going to drive up to Green Bay as sort of a, as soon as I manage to re, redo my suitcase and uh, <laughs> okay. and pay okay. my taxes. Bye. Oh yeah, thanks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, love to Mom and you and everybody else and safe travels. Yeah, we'll talk to you at the other end. Okay, okay. Bye. 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 And I want to wish a happy new year to my uh, Jewish friends. I still don't know what year it is. Goodbye. Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. <laughs> 